Hello and welcome to episode 36 of the Writing Talk podcast. I'm your host, Michael Campling, known to friends as Mikey. We're going to go into a main topic, which is all about getting going with the draft of your lockdown novel, or just your novel if you're not in lockdown. And then there'll be a Writer's Toolbox session at the end. Welcome to the Writing Talk podcast, the show that helps you to build your skills as we go on our writing journey together. So at long last, we are digging into your draft and thinking about the best ways that you can really get going with it. So by now, if you've been following along, you should have a place in which to keep and organise your various notes and some form of plan, no matter how simple that may be. I think you really need to have some kind of plan in place. And you should also have put some thought into the nature of your project and why you are undertaking it at the moment. So that's some of the ground we've covered in the last few episodes, and you can always go back and listen to some of those if you want a refresher or if you've missed any of them. And there are fairly comprehensive notes and links to various resources and so on on the site at writingtalkpodcast.com. So you've put a bit of groundwork in to getting yourself ready for this, um, but it's worth at this point setting out your stall in a few other ways and thinking about how you do that, not just once, but how you do it each day and how you repeat that getting ready for each writing session. So firstly, you'll need to set some blocks of time aside, preferably daily, and you'll also have somewhere where you can work interrupted. Now, I know those things are ideals and in the real world, uh, they may be difficult to achieve or or perhaps even impossible to some extent. Um, you know, real world things can sometimes work against us. But all you can do is try and do your best to see how you can sort of work towards those things. If things aren't working out, then whatever you do, don't just throw your hands up in the air and give up. Perhaps there's just one small change in your setup that you can make or one small change in your routine that will improve things for you. And then you can start again. It might mean, for instance, if you're finding it difficult to find time, maybe there's a bit of something you've got to sacrifice. Like maybe you not regularly sit down and watch the same TV show or something. You know, maybe you'll you'll give that up for a bit. Um, And who knows, you may not even miss it. Or maybe it could be something like you get up half an hour earlier or something like that. There's no need to go overboard. You know, you don't have to sort of get up at five o'clock in the morning or whatever. And in order to make this thing work, it can just mean as much as, you know, 20 minutes, half an hour. Those lengths of time can be significant and you can get a reasonable amount done in those times if you remain focused while you're doing it. But if you want that time and space, you may well have to go looking for it. Um, it won't find itself. You may have to, unless you're very lucky, you know, you may you may have to do a bit of work to get that established for yourself. But once you get going, there are just a few principles worth bearing in mind, I think, and we'll run through them in this episode. So firstly, remember what we're trying to achieve is momentum, that sense of your project has got some forward motion and it's going to keep going. And that's partly what the idea of having a daily writing practice is all about. But that's not the only thing that we need, um, because it's hard enough to keep your project on the rails at the best of times. But once you start writing, or more accurately, I'll say drafting, 
try not to do anything else at all. Uh, that means phones might have to be on aeroplane mode or out of the room, perhaps. Internet browsers need to be shut. And things that might have become habits, such as compulsively checking emails or social media feeds, they need to be squashed because um, they will totally get in the way. Not just in terms of the time they take, but in the terms of the mental noise that they create. Um, after a, a bit of a session at, you know, going through your Facebook feed or something, you'll be in a much worse state to uh, to begin creation, in my humble opinion. Um you know, you might find that uh, you can't live without it, but uh, I think you probably could. I think you'd probably be surprised if you were to set some of those things aside, how much you can get done. In the show notes and in the Writer's Toolbox session, uh, I'll talk about some resources that you can use to help you with it. Um, for instance, I, I use I do use Facebook to communicate in certain groups. Uh, I have groups for my um, uh readers. I have Facebook pages that I use as an author and for other sites that I've got. But on my computer, on my laptop and on my phone, I don't have a Facebook feed. Um, so I don't get distracted by the stuff that Facebook hurls at us. You know, the algorithm likes to throw things at us every second of every day, but um, I don't have those. I only have to see the things I want to see, the things I choose to see. Um, and it can only take a, a second of reading something that sort of seems unpleasant to me to kind of spoil my day. Don't know about you, but I can find the, you know, sometimes take these things to heart and you can start to think that the world is a very sort of mean place. Sometimes some of the stuff you read online um, and, you know, I, I can't afford the time or the energy to deal with that. I've got a novel to write. So um, I I don't get involved with those feeds and I don't have any of the apps on my phone either. So if I want to look at a social media thing I'll have on my phone, I'll have to go through a browser and look at it there. I don't even have those apps installed. And I will come back to a few tools in the Writer's Toolbox section at the end of the show. But there are other distractions that can really derail your progress uh, in your draft. So things like research... So it might seem like it's really important to do at the time. You may feel like you really need to look up the exact make and model of some item that you're going to refer to. Perhaps you're writing a thriller and you want to look up, you know, a certain gun or something. Um, but actually, that kind of thinking is the enemy of your drafting process. I do get trapped by this myself quite a bit um, because sometimes when I'm describing something, I really want to be able to visualise it and I can't quite think what I'm writing about in my mind. So I'll start looking for a picture of it. Could be a building, could be an object. Um, I mean, in my current work in progress, which is a mystery, there are references to vintage and antique typewriters. And I wanted to imagine exactly which ones I was uh, referring to. And that's okay up to a point because I did need being a mystery, the details are important and I did need to check on some of those details and it would have been hard to progress beyond that point without that level of detail. But unfortunately, you start looking up things, you know, and like a fool, I ended up um, with the time slipping away faster than I could grab onto it. Because as you can imagine, there are lots of sites dedicated to old typewriters and they are rather interesting things, especially if uh, like me, you're a writer and 
it, it's easy to start drooling over these really nice, handsome machines. You think, well, that would look just really nice uh, you know, on my shelf at home. I'd really like to own one of those. And before, you know, you're going through eBay or something, trying to see how much they um, you could get them for and so on, which is definitely not good, valid research. It's just wasting time. So my recommendation to you is that if you find something you're going to need to research later, uh, try and use some kind of shorthand to remind you to go back to it after your first draft is finished. So if there's just some little detail you're not quite sure on and it's not all that important, it would just be nice to have that description of whatever it is you're talking about. Um, Just put some kind of little note in there. It could be a little combination of characters that you don't use for something else. Um, Something you find easy to find later. I tend to use the hash mark because in the UK it's not really used for anything. I believe it is used for things in the US, but we don't really use it here much. But there might be something on your keyboard that you can just um, put in there or some combination of, uh, of characters that you could put in there. And then you can just do a quick find later. Um, you know, you could put like an asterisk and an R or something for research. And then, you know, you can go back and find them very quickly. So think about your own kind of uh, shorthand and then... Later on, perhaps if you've got some odd moments in the day when realistically you couldn't possibly get any more drafting done, um, that would be quite a good time to go back and skip through your manuscript and just see what it is you needed to look for. Or perhaps you can still remember what it is you need to look for. So you might be sitting on the sofa watching TV or something uh, and or, you know, you're waiting for something to happen or you're on a, some kind of sitting on a train or something. And at that point, you could sort of flip through um, your phone or your tablet or laptop or something and look up some of those um, references that you need for your work. And then you can store your sources on your phone or your tablet. I use um, an app called Pocket for that. And I'll refer again to that in the writer's toolbox. The same kind of thing goes for those obscure words that you know are just on the tip of your tongue, but you can't quite find them. You could spend some time wading through a thesaurus, uh, but that kind of thing can really hurt your momentum as well. I do use a thesaurus, if I could say it, um, during the editing phase, and I tend to use the one from Collins, uh, which I quite like. It has a nice online dictionary there. Uh, It's not too many adverts and things in it, Um, but I would recommend that you keep that into your editing phase. So get your draft finished first and just use whatever words come to hand. Use the most direct ones that you can think of um, because anything that stops you from adding new words to your manuscript is definitely, you know, I can say without fear of contradiction, it will be slowing you down because you're not making that progress. You're not building up towards that momentum. Similarly, there's another little trick I sometimes use, particularly in writing dialogue, is that I will just draft it without any punctuation. At the end of one person's speech, I'll just hit the return key um, so I know I've gone into the next one, the next speaker, and that doesn't take too much work to put right later. But it's just a question of speeding myself up and really racing through that passage that I've perhaps got the scene in my head of the kind of thing the characters are going to say to each other. And if I start worrying about, you know, have I just used the word he said, she said too many times? Should I put in a little bit of body language? I miss all that out. And I just literally put down almost like a film script what each character is saying. Hit return, go on to the next character. And that way you'll get that back and forth and that kind of 
uh, really nice pacey bit of bit of dialogue. It's it'll it'll read pacey because you've written it pacey, and it'll all seem good. It'll seem more natural and less forced because of the way that you've constructed it. And, it. and you know, it doesn't take long to go back afterwards and put the uh, speech marks in. Just moving on to a whole separate principle here that I think is worth bearing in mind. I think I pinched this from the writer Chuck Wendig, who um, who blogs about all kinds of things, uh, all kinds of random stuff. Um, and I'll, I'll maybe put a link to his blog in the show notes as well. But he used to, in the past, if you look at some of his older pieces, he used to do quite a bit of stuff for um, for writers. Not so much at the moment, but if you go back through it, you might find some older pieces in there which are quite useful. Um, this is going back a few years now. But anyway, one of the things that he said which kind of struck a chord with me was he said you shouldn't cheat on your um, main work in pro- progress. You shouldn't cheat on it with other little projects, no other fiction, I would say, particularly. So, you know, you may have all sorts of exciting ideas for various side projects or short stories and things that come up, but remain true to your work in progress. Um, Because if you become one of those people who's a serial beginner of manuscripts, then you're probably also going to become one of those people who never actually finishes one. So stick to your main one and... Try not to do any of the fiction writing while you've got that project on the go. I don't think that means that you can't write in a totally different format. For example, if you've got a blog or something along those lines that you're you're keeping up with, that's a very different form of writing. It's essentially non-fiction, probably. So that might be a nice little kind of a way of winding down. Perhaps you've got a writing journal, something like that. Um, some other form of writing is OK. But, you know, don't start getting into that great idea for a short story you've just had, or God forbid, you should start another novel. You know, finish one. Um, Finish one and see it through, I would say. And if you've got an idea for something, just jot down a note and stash it away in your system, whatever that may be. Something like Google Keep is a good way of storing up ideas because you can label things, you can categorise something. So, you know, get your whatever it is and just just put it down there and label it as idea or something like that and store it away. But even that can take you away from, from your drafting. So, you know, be very careful with that kind of thing. Um, it's a question of uh, keeping your mind clear and on your task. Now, when you're beginning your draft, you might find that you are relatively slow and, apparent and sometimes getting a bit frustrated. But as you get more and more words on the page, you'll become faster at rejecting your first ideas in favour of your best ideas. So you become quicker at improving your work as you work. So this is a kind of process that seems to happen um, with practice that you go from your first fledgling ideas to to a more elaborate kind of prose with more interesting language, lots of nice variation and thinking about things like pacing and so on. Um, You'll be providing extra detail about situations, characters, relationships between them, themes and so on. All that really good stuff, all that really rich stuff that's going to make your novel be more than just a series of events that happen one after the other. And you'll start to see those things more and more as you actually write. 
And at first this feels really slow because you start to write your sentence and then you realise that you should have written something else, that you could add extra detail, that you could rephrase something and so on. And that's okay because that is a step you've got to go through. You need to go through the step of having the not so good idea in order to get to the much better idea. And really the speed at which that happens is totally... um, comes with practice. It's In writing a novel, in a way, you're dealing with um, a new language. So you're the language of the, the written word as opposed to the spoken word. And it's a bit like if you're trying to learn French or something, and at first you, in your mind you have to go through the step of translating everything from English into French before you speak it. But after a while, if you get good at it, if you practice, if you perhaps live in the country for a while and you use it a lot, then you start, in a way, thinking in French. So we're kind of thinking in novel, I guess. Um, so that's okay. That It just purely takes practice and kind of immersion in it. And this is a, a really important part of doing that very often, if possible, daily um, process, just to embed that in the way that your mind works. But, you know, keep in the flow, keep pounding the keys, um, use the most direct verbs that you can think of, for example, most sort of active direct ones without any kind of flannelling about. And as you work, you're starting to think of these improvements. Just stick at it. Just make those changes. You know, don't feel, don't look at these things. Oh, I, I wrote, why do I keep writing this sentence wrong? Why didn't I think of this better idea in the first place? I mean, you could do that, but <laughs> take that attitude, but it's not going to get you very far. Just notice the fact that this is you improving. This is you getting better. The fact that you've realised your first idea wasn't good enough shows that you are improving. It's That is you developing. So you'll notice things as you work. You'll increasingly notice things like perhaps you've got too much repetition of a certain word or a phrase. We sometimes call these things crutch phrases, the things that we um, tend to put in. You know, like um, if you're not sure what to, a character does and they all purse their lips or they all fold their arms or something. Um these things creep in, but you kind of build up a mental bank of these and um, and you'll be able to do a bit of variety. And you'll also spot like little filler words like just and really, things like that, perhaps that you'll keep putting in. Um, and then there's things like lazy and vague verbs. These are things that can be creeping in all the time. So, for instance, get is a very kind of lazy verb. You don't get a cold, you suffer from a cold, or you catch a cold. You don't get a library book, you borrow a library book. And it's a verb we use often in conversation, but we need to do a bit better than that in our work. So all these little things, these repetitious phrases, crutch phrases, lazy words, they all creep into your work. And part of your mind will become not quite set aside, but part of your mind will become tuned into looking out for these things and you'll be looking out for the usual suspects. And um, as you practice and as you keep writing, you'll get faster and faster at spotting them and catching yourself before you have time to actually write them down. So those those lazy words or those repetitious crutch phrases won't actually get as far as your fingers because some little part of your mind will um, will cut them off at the pass. And then you'll start to feel like you are improving as you go faster and faster. 
And really, it is just keeping at it. You know, you'll, you'll find yourself putting in better words, cutting out unnecessary ones, replacing incorrect or vague ones with much better words as you go. And the more you do it and the faster you write, then the more this habit will make itself felt. This is one of the arguments people sometimes say about people who, who write thousands upon thousands of words. They'll say, OK, you can't be doing any good at all because you write so fast, it must all be rubbish. And they're wrong, really, saying that because the person who's putting all those words down, yeah, OK, to start with, they may not have been their first their first day of writing 10,000 words or whatever, or 5,000 words might have been poor. But then... By the end of the week, they've got an awful lot of words down and they've had an awful lot of practice. So as the weeks and months and years pass, those people, just by virtue of having a huge output, are learning much, much faster. It's a bit like the difference between somebody who trains for a sports event once a week and somebody else who's out there pretty much every day, you know, getting up at six o'clock and going for a run or whatever. Um, It will help. The more you write, the faster you write. The more work you're putting in, the more you're attuning your brain to that language and immersing yourself in that way of thought. For another analogy, it's a bit like um, when you're driving a car. You know, if you've been driving a car for 10 years, you don't have to think about how to change gear or how to turn around a junction or something. Um, But when you're learning to drive, it's quite a laborious process because you have to go through all the steps in your mind um, drilling them until they become second nature but keep up that practice and soon you'll be doing all kinds of fancy maneuvers without having to take your hands off the wheel so to speak so your fingers remain on the keyboard your brain will be in the flow and you will just be producing words that get better and better as time goes on Hope that's enough to get you going with your draft for the time being. And I'll go on into the writer's toolbox section and talk about some of the tools that can help with that. Okay, we're talking earlier about distractions and about getting rid of them. I've mentioned this before, but I heartily recommend cold turkey blocker, uh, which you can use to block distractions. And how I use it, which is different to how I use it before. So I will just go through this now because I have changed it recently. On my main computer and on my laptop, I have a list of sites that I call distractions. And Cold Turkey comes with a bunch of those in. So I think I've got about 70 things on that list, but I didn't put them all in. A lot of the obvious ones were in there, social media and so on. And I just, if I find myself getting distracted you know, looking at mountain bikes or something. And I had the the store, mountain bike store sites to the list so that I won't waste time on that. And then I set up a schedule and the cold turkey program won't let me access anything on that list at any point between eight o'clock in the morning and four o'clock in the afternoon. So I can, you know, do other things in other parts of the day, like in the evening. I can muck about if I want to. Um, But there are times when I cannot do that. And I have a, I think I have a slightly more lenient schedule at the weekends, but still those mornings are still blocked out. There's another product made by Cold Turkey called Micromanager. And that works really well if the 
distractions list isn't quite enough for you. What the micromanager will do will allow you only to run the programs that you have open when it starts. So you can open your word processor, nothing else, set the micromanager to run for an hour and it won't let you use anything else on your computer except your word processor for that hour. So, uh, or half an hour or whatever you've set it for. That's a fairly draconian um, little tool, but it's, it might be the difference between getting it done and getting it not done. So that's actually quite um, a low cost piece of software. And if you buy it with the cold turkey blocker, I believe it works out cheaper. Um, they do a little bundle where you get both. They also actually have an editing tool I don't use. It's not bad. It doesn't let you do anything else except use it. It blanks out any of the monitors you've got. Um, and it's quite fun in that it has a word count feature. So you can say, don't let me do anything else till I've written a thousand words. And then it won't let you it won't let you quit out of that until you've done a thousand words. But it is very basic and it doesn't really allow for the idea of working on a huge novel and having to perhaps go back to check on an earlier chapter which is the kind of thing which can be distracting, but again, sometimes is necessary. You don't want to get paint yourself into a corner so that you can't progress. You know, if you're writing a complex thriller or something, then it might be perfectly justifiable that you've got to, you might be on chapter 37, but you've got to nip back to chapter three just to see what happened because it might set up something for later, you know, and you don't want to sort of break the plot of your novel just because you can't go and get access to earlier chapters. So I don't really use the cold turkey editor, but it could be useful um, if all else fails. But I prefer the the combination of having a, a list of sites that I can't visit, but I can still visit things that I might need to. And then for those really focused times, I use the micromanager, which won't let me do anything else except write for an hour or something. Now I mentioned Pocket and it's a little app which just allows you to store web pages. It kind of converts them to an easily readable version and it provides a link back to the original. So it's quite handy. And I use these for storing um, items that I've come across in my research. And what I do is I just tag each item with the word research. There's a little box up there when I put the item into Pocket, which I use uh, using an extension for Firefox, I'm pretty sure there's an extension for Chrome. I'm not sure about other browsers. You'd have to check, but Pocket's fairly well known. So I think there'll be an extension for all the browsers. And there's a little box that you can put for the label. I hit, as soon as I hit the word R, none of my other tags start with R. So the word research pops up and I hit enter and it's saved under research. Now, later what I do, it's a little thing you might want to think about. When I'm putting the book out, I go back through all my research items, copy down all the links, and I put them onto a page of my website. And then in the back of the book, I can say to readers, if you want to see you know, a bit of background information, some of the sources that I used, visit this page of my website. And the nice thing about that is so long as I keep that page, I won't have to update the book. Um, and then I can just put all the links on that website of where things have come from. So if people want to know if something is real or that's referenced in there, then they can look to see where it's come from or what it's based on. 
Um, and that's just quite nice. It's a bit like uh, a bit of bonus material, a bit like you sort of used to get the DVD extras. And it's something else that you can share with people. Okay, I seem to have uh, gone off quite a long time today, so I will sign off. So please head on over to the site at Writing Talk Podcast and let me know what tools you use to help you get going with your draft. Also, do let me know if you have any questions, for instance, if there's something you'd like me to deal with in another episode. So I'll sign off. So until next time, keep scribbling, keep tapping at the keys and while you're doing it, keep smiling. Thank you for listening and goodbye. Goodbye.